preparing for this second season, we wanted to see what topics um, that would be um, in, of interest and probably was hot at the time. And and there was this concept of understanding who our audience is. And one of our one of our segments of our audience is the millennials. And so we we searched high and low. <laughs> we searched high and low, and we were able to connect with three outstanding millennials within the Seventh-day Adventist Church. And uh, we are so happy to have them with us. They they signed on. They said yes, they're willing to come on. And so today we have with us. Um, Jessica Dooley, who is the Assistant Youth Director for the Rocky Mountain Conference. We have Claudia Allen, who is the Online Content Manager for Message Magazine. And we have Pastor J.D., effectively known as J.D., but James Doggett Jr., because he, uh, as a pastor there in the Southeastern Conference. So we're just so glad to have all of you on with us, and uh, we know that um, um, the conversation is going to be lit, as they say, today. All right. Uh, <laughs> anything, uh, let's start from uh, Jessica. Say hello to everybody. Hello. Nice to see you all. <laughs> All right. Jessica, tell us something about Rocky Mountain uh, Conference and the youth work there. 35 seconds. Go. Yeah. Rocky Mountain Conference is an incredible place to work, to be a youth, to be a young adult. Um, we're so excited. As we've seen our churches, um, our camps, the ministries and events we do really focus on being relevant and connecting people to their relationship with Jesus in that everyday kind of way, um, not just at church or not just when you're reading your Bible, but going throughout your everyday life. Um, our kind of motto is to live greater, to live the greatest story wow. and to have that be something that is a part of every little bit of your life. So really glad to be with you guys um, and to discuss this topic. Perfect. Awesome. Awesome. Good to hear. J.D., you are the pastor, the lead pastor of the uh, Deerfield Seventh-day Adventist Church in Deerfield Beach, but you are also the, I don't know, founder, creator of the uh, of the Quarantine Revival. Um, we've all come to know you, love you from what you've been doing there. Share with us 30 seconds, anything you just want to share by way of either of those, your church, your, the ministry with quarantine. Go. Listen, this is a prime time opportunity for us to do ministry. And I'm looking forward to being a participant here with this panel. Uh, God has just been blessing, even in the midst of COVID-19, y'all. Yeah. Uh, so I'm I'm one of those relentless optimists. So you're going to be hearing a lot of positivity from me as we look toward the future. So I'm just blessed and I'm grateful again to be here. All right. Claudia Allen, Claudia, the message Allen. Um, we heard your name on the pastor's roundtable uh, a couple of months ago when the uh, ministerial director for the North American division was on, uh, Pastor Ivan Williams, and he let us know that you were the clerk uh, at his church. But we know besides just being the church, hey, listen, if the ministerial director of the NAD is telling the whole world who his clerk is, you know, there's something to that. Uh, she's got some. So listen, tell us about, we also know that you are working at message 30 seconds, 35 seconds. Go. What do you want us to know about that? Oh man, listen, it's such a pleasure to be able to serve and be at Brinklow Emmanuel, Emmanuel Brinklow SDA. I am the clerk. They call me the preaching clerk. Uh, uh, so that is 
probably the greatest nickname I've ever heard in my life. So <laughs> I enjoy it. I love everything the Lord has given me and I'm trying my best to be faithful, whether that be within my clerk duties, within my preaching duties, or uh, even within my uh, responsibilities over at Message. So, Praise God. Praise God. Wow. Um, I want you to know that uh, that preaching clerk is not lost on you. Eight. 46. <laughs> I still remember that message. Eight minutes oh, and 46 wow. seconds. Yeah, you saw that. That wow, was, that was so, hey, if you want to hear a good message on uh, social justice and, and, and the impact, 846. It's on, it's on YouTube. You got to go hear it. But listen, guys, uh, we, we're here talking about engaging millennials. Um, one of the things we need to, um, we hear a lot uh, about a, a lot of terms pushed out there. You know, if you want to sound like you know what you're talking about, oh, you you know, Gen Xs, uh, um, Busters, uh, Baby Boomers, uh, even now with Gen Zs. And so just a shameless plug. Next week, we'll be talking about uh, engaging Gen Zs. But this week is uh, Gen X, um, is Millennials. So the question I have uh, here is, uh, who are Millennials? Mm. Uh, who are Millennials? It, uh, anyone want to jump on, on that one? Well, I know there are a number of different uh, categories that have been articulated as it relates to who actually falls within this, this segment called the millennials. Um, what I found just through the research that I've done, and maybe you all can help give a little bit more clarity here, but it's basically the early 20s to the late 30s right now. Um, those individuals who are within that generation uh, can qualify as being a part of the millennial generation that has gotten so much attention <laughs> over the last couple of years, in particular as it relates to ministry and church and, and life in general. So just a real quick, whenever I, anyone asks me who is a part of that generation, I kind of throw out the early 20s to late 30s, 22 to 38, you know, around that, that age right. group. Man, I missed it by that much. <laughs> <laughs> Oh wow! Yeah, yeah. No, I I think that I think that what's I think that was so great, um, JD. I think the thing that people really need to kind of know and understand is that millennial is not like a time period, mm-hmm. right? In the same sense that like okay, when you're in your twenties, you're a millennial. Right. Uh, no, <laughs> millennials <laughs> were born uh, between I think it's like 1980 and 1996. So that 96 is that cutoff. So um, I think the, the, young, the, the youngest millennial is probably 24, 25. The oldest millennial is, like J.D. said, close to 40. Yeah. Um, so give or take. Um, and I think that what is crucial for people to know and understand is millennials are adults. I think that we, whenever we have these conversations, we have the conversations as though millennials are youth. We are we are young people, as though we are still in Pathfinders. I am not still in Pathfinders. Come on, say it. I've been paying bills for a hot minute. JD is full blown married with children. Mercy. You know what I'm saying? Like millennials have bills. Millennials have multiple degrees, and millennials have spouses children and whole homes so when we're talking about millennials we are talking about full-blown adults who are in their careers and who have who have some who have started families Mm. wait Mm. wait you know what if you're saying that next year millennials will be 40 i guarantee you there are going to be some millennial grandparents 
mm-hmm. in play. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. I, I, Absolutely. Yeah. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And I want to throw in there, you know, on the tail end of what you were saying there, Claudia, and I appreciate you bringing that clarity that as we are adults and, you know, should be seen and treated as such, we're <laughs> not just out here um, failing at everything. They're, we're actually pretty successful as it relates to being in our careers and accomplishing, you know, feats and uh, our goals and objectives. A lot of us are in, in positions of real authority in a lot of places outside of the realm of church, which is uh, what I'm sure we're going to talk about. So just as it relates to being in society, we're not just adulting out here. We're doing it pretty pretty well. All right. Now, yeah. Yeah. That's good. Uh, Jessica, any thoughts? Yeah, I'm definitely one of the younger millennials. I was born in 94, so just right at that cutoff. Um, but I run a summer camp, and we hire a bunch of basically Gen Z kids. And they're, you know, they're still in school. They're getting things figured out. And I can tell such big differences between the generations. Um, there's definitely some overlap. But just seeing how Gen Z interacts with life and how a millennial, a Gen Y would interact with life. There's so there's such contrast there. And I mm. think that's so something to celebrate and so unique. But like you said, millennials, we're out here just plugging away. Um, lots of odds stacked against us um, with the times that we were growing up in. Mm. And I think that um, it's something that we're able to give to the next generation, right? And to actually give them tools of how we navigated through these waters how we navigated through the traumas we experienced with 9-11, with the economy collapsing and um, trying to find a job, trying to actually not rent for the rest of our lives, right? So it's definitely exciting to talk about that. And I'm glad you guys will also be touching on Gen Z next time. One of one of our one of our viewers said, "Class of '94, they feel so old today." <laughs> Listen, I just I just want to put a pin on what Jessica said. Jessica said uh, she hires uh, people. Mm. Uh, talk about okay. it. Talk about like, it. They're trying to talk to us already, Church. Hiring uh, folk. Not only is she hired, but she's hiring. Okay, that's all I wanted to say. That's all I wanted to say. Go ahead now. That's a reality. That is a reality. But you know, our church is so um, it's it's interesting. Um, we we spent we spent a lot of dollars trying to minister to um, millennials. And um, Anthem, I don't know if you want to jump right into the next question, yeah, but well, it seems I, like a good segue. Yeah, well, I actually kind of want to close up the back end of, of that, that the question okay. that you asked. And I'm okay. curious, as you guys look at millennials and, and the generations that, that stand on either side of you, you've got Gen Z and then you've got Gen X. Are there some differences that, that you see that that characterize Gen, uh, what are you again? What am I, Gen Y or, or, Gen or the y. millennials that, that differentiates you from the other two in which your book ended from? <laughs> yes, short answer is yes. Go ahead, Jessica. Go ahead, Jess. I love, like, I love seeing things that are like, you know, on TikTok. I've definitely hopped on TikTok recently through this pandemic, but watching like, you know, just funny videos of a millennial and a Gen Z talking and exchanging like, hey, like, it's like, it's the this for me about you, right? And I love like how it's like, 
you know, Gen Z is noted as the generation that won't call to make their own doctor's appointment, but they will go out there and riot in the streets and protest and call for change, right? Uh, millennials, we're, we're there, like we're woke, we're ready for it, but we are, I think, a little bit like drained. You can tell we're we're ready for change, but um, we need that energy from the Gen Z side to propel us. And we need that wisdom from Gen X that's like a little jaded with the world to kind of, you know, ground us. So that's kind of the, we're, we have good bookends as a generation for sure. Mm. I, I really like what Jessica said. I think that millennials are kind of the last generation that remembers life without social media. We're um, yeah. the last generation that remembers life without the internet. So, um, but then at the same time, you know, like I, like I can actively remember when YouTube first started. Yes. Right? There are people who actually don't have that frame of reference, right? And so I think that because of that, um, you know, I think that we approach life from the standpoint of, man, yeah, I can do all this stuff with technology, but I still remember when I was climbing trees outside in front of my house. Oh. And I think that that plays into how we engage with the world. But I think the other thing that is different about millennials and let's say Gen Z or, or let's say Gen X um, is that I think that we are not, we do not remain loyal to institutions. We remain loyal to um, causes, issues, ideas, and personalities. So that if there is an issue within an institution, uh, it doesn't even have to be religious. It could be professional. If I'm in a professional space and, and an institution comes along and they're offering me a better salary package or, you know, a better setup or what have you, there is a large possibility that that millennial is going, is going to leave whatever institution they're at and then join that second institution, even if this institution is what gave them a start and maybe paid off their loans and, you know, did all this amazing stuff, right? That millennial does not have any burden to where it's like, man, I have to stay with this organization for the rest of my life. Whereas I think that boomers and Gen X uh, kind of operate uh, within a greater like fidelity and loyalty towards institutions. Wow. Mm. Wow. Do, yeah. do any of you on this panel know, know what a cassette tape is? I just... <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, yes. An eight oh, track. Yes, I don't know. The preacher, the, uh, the preacher's wife cassette tape was my all-time favorite. Okay, Phoebe and Cece Wine's greatest classics cassette tape was in. Come on, Come on now, don't play us. All right. hey, Claudia, Claudia, do you know what Adventures in Odyssey is and Come what on that now, was sir. on a cassette? Now, I'm just throwing that out there. And let me just say Come this real now, quick, sir. just on the Aunt Sue and Uncle Dan. What? Come on. <laughs> Your story hour, Your right? story on, hour. on cassette tape. Come on. Oh, wow. So all right. We are very much aware of that. And what Claudia was saying, I think, was so you know pertinent to this conversation is relates to um, Gen Z, because you were talking about the, the contrast between the two. I want to say that that is the first generation that has social media, like, in middle school. Yes. Um, so they literally, like, was already mentioned, grew up with this uh, technology as the norm. Mm. <laughs> and... That, I think, does kind of shape the, the praxis and um, even might even have a, a, a touch when it comes to our interpretation of theology, um, where the integration of technology is, it is life. 
<laughs> and there is not a frame of reference, which was just mentioned, um, without that at mm. your fingertips. Um, and it also presents, of course, a brand new set of challenges um, that maybe previous generations did not necessarily have to overcome. Mm. Um, and we can talk about that a little bit later, but as it relates to not just um, the environment around us, but even the challenges that we're having to, to face as successive generations, they, all, they actually are very much different. Even though we are still considered young by boomers and Gen Xers, we still have a separate set of, of, of challenges um, that are unique to our generation. Okay. All right. So listen, I heard a rumor about millennials. And the rumor is, is that millennials are leaving the Seventh-day Adventist church that they don't want to be here, that they're like, peace, we're out, we don't like all the rules, all the dogma, all the this, that, and the other. Is that true? Are millennials leaving the church? And if they're not leaving the church, then what, what's actually happening in the, as far as how millennials engage spirituality, how they engage membership and belonging to the Seventh-day Adventist church? So I, one way I'll answer this question is I think that millennials happen to kind of be the not just the children, but really the uh, the controllers, the the result, the consequence of postmodernism. Right. So postmodernism is the idea that you want to kind of tear down anything that is traditional. Right. And so modern, traditional ways and modes of thinking, you know, you want to nuance those in in uh, very real structural as well as ideological ways. That being said, I think that millennials, therefore, approach everything in life from that mindset. So if whether it has to do with worship, whether it has to do with dogma, whether it has to do with uh, professionalism, whether it has to do with social justice, we approach it all from the standpoint of, man, I actually don't like this. I don't think that this is effective. I don't think that this is working. And I think that there's a better way to do it. And so you have a lot of iconoclasm within millennials where there's a lot of tearing down of structures, tearing down of tearing down of traditions, tearing down of old ideals. Um, and that is often uncomfortable for Gen X and boomers. And so I think that that the willingness to want to destroy for the purpose of building up something new makes people uncomfortable. And so it makes people think the millennials um, are leaving or they are unwilling to be a part unless they get their way. Hmm. So then the, you know, hmm. what oftentimes comes along with that rumor that you just shared is, you know, millennials are entitled. And if millennials don't get what they want, then millennials basically throw a temper tantrum in the middle of the grocery store and then leave the church. Wow. And I hmm. think that that's, I don't think that that is a fair representation um, of what we're actually doing. I think what we're trying to do is, is present as JD previously said, and Jessica as well, here is our here is our professional opinion. Here is mm -hmm, our mm -hmm. experiential opinion on mm -hmm. how we can grow and do things better. And yeah, it is against every single thing you are comfortable with and that you know. And the fact of the matter is, is if you do not make these changes, there are some consequences that come with that. And I think that all around, people have been leaving organized religion. Hmm. So that 
Um, Gen Xers are leaving organized religion. Millennials are leaving organized religion. Gen Z is leaving organized religion. So that the conversation is, is less so about an inherent quality within millennials and more so um, wow. an issue, a larger issue conversation around postmodernism and the time period in which we live in where people are uncomfortable with certain things institutionally, religiously, spiritually, et cetera. Well, and something that I've noticed, and I don't know where it happened, but it's like our church froze, right? They froze in time. And, you know, you hear stories about like, oh, remember when like the piano and the organ were kind of considered taboo, you know, and the guitar, like, wow, that was huge. And then all of a sudden, I believe as a majority, the Seventh-day Adventist church said, this is it. Like, this is our safe zone. These are the guidelines and the structure that we feel pretty comfortable with. And we're going to be here. And then when someone, whether they're Gen X, they're Gen Y, they're Gen Z, they come in and they say, hey, I have this idea. Or like at work, we have this, you know, platform that we use, or we could do this better. or This could be, you know, we could outreach stronger. And the church says, but that doesn't fall with where we've set up our parameters, right? We've set them up and you're starting to, you're messing with this wall here. And I think it starts from such a young age because I'm so passionate about the idea that when we talk about doing youth and young adult ministry, we talk about damage control, right? We're Mm -hmm. trying to fix this problem that started when these kids were two, three, seven, 12, right? Because We've said, here's the structure. Here's the box you come in. You come to church. Walk quietly in the sanctuary. You know, don't don't <laughs> ask questions. Don't talk during the service. Don't, you know, we're going to do a children's story, but the children's story is just for us to talk to you. You're not engaged. You just sit there and listen, right? And then all of a sudden, you get to become a 16-year-old, and you have car keys, and your parents are starting to choose which battles they fight with you. And they're the kid's like, I don't want to go sit in church. Like, I don't get to do anything that I think is fun or interesting or exciting. I don't get to worship the way that I've connected with God, like, during the week. And they say, I don't want to sit in that box on Saturday, right? And then what happens? We see this mass exodus of young adults because— We've started owning it. And Claudia, like you've said, like we get to be decision makers. We get our opinion and our thoughts heard at the table at our jobs, right? Or in our groups that we join or whatever it might be. All of a sudden we're valued and the growth, we get to see our thoughts and ideas become growth and organizations outside of the church. But then the church is still frozen in whatever year they decided to freeze in. And, and there's a few of us, and I don't want to say we're naive, but there's a few of us who are naive enough, and myself included, to stay in there and to plug along and to try and do our best to soften up those boundaries to say, let's make this a more inclusive, professional, exciting church to be a part of. And, right. you know, there's progress in some places, but I think... The big question here is if as an entire church, we don't shake things up and say we're willing to be faithful and go forward with Jesus because Jesus was a mover. He was walking like we're faithful enough to go walking with him. Then this is going to be not just a problem with millennials. It's going to be Gen Z. It's going to be Gen Alpha. Like 
from all the way up, if we're still using the same felts that Pastor Wade was using when he was in Sabbath school for our kindergartners who way, way back then, mercy. But you know, but you know, I heard a pastor okay. share with us, a pastor came to our ministries class and he shared with us that in order to order to turn the ship, you got to be on the ship. You cannot be on the shore. And, mm-hmm. and that has always been my cry. I can't, you know, when people talk about people leaving, oh, I want to leave the church. I want to, I don't want to be a part of this. I said, but you can't change it if you're not in it. Yeah. Yeah. Can I, if I can jump in, mm-hmm. I, I want to agree with you. The answer to like, yes, but also no, because a way of protesting is leaving, um, mm-hmm. which is why some of these who are bold enough to say, look, this isn't meeting my need. I'm making that exit. The last time I was actually here with you in the pastor's roundtable, that was mentioned by one of our other guests. He said, I'm telling them I'm praying for you. God bless you. He'll lead you. He'll guide you. But if you have enough courage to leave, then bless you, uh, because that is actually a way that we communicate Mm. that our needs are not being met. What is happening is not relevant and is not meeting any real life needs. Um, And unfortunately, that that, you know, that is happening. So while it's not a complete and utter rumor, I want to just go ahead and be the one to outright say it. Yes, a lot of millennials are leaving, including my friends. They're chucking the deuces. But what are they leaving is the question. And I want to pose to you that they are not leaving the body of Christ. They're leaving the church that's organization. That's and it. Wow. That, that's, that's a very valid point to be made, that these are not folk who are chucking the deuces to declare that I don't believe in God, neither will I work or serve to build his kingdom. They're just simply saying, I refuse to build this kingdom where there's so much red tape. My idea would never see the light of day. So I'm going to try to launch something or do something, which is why you almost see it's like an entrepreneurial type of spirit that these millennials have when it comes to spiritual things. And when it comes to the quote unquote church organization, um, there there are and this is inevitable reality that I've read is going to take place as a result of this COVID-19 pandemic. You're going to see a lot of parachurch ministries that are going to be popping up. Mm-hmm. These now are groups that are going to come together like like the church in its infant stage, meeting at homes. And, and it's not necessarily a part of the actual quote-unquote church organization, but the church at large as relates to the body of Christ. They are very much still attached, very much still seeking to know God's will for their lives. And there are statistics. Barna said that over 60% um, of millennials want to do they they attach to a corporate worship for two reasons one they want to grow their faith and two they want to learn more about god those are very important things to millennials in particular Mm -hmm. um so it's not that we've lost sight of what is important we still are learning about god we still are growing our faith but boy it just so happens that we are not doing that inside of the four walls of the church Mm -hmm. and i'm gonna i'm gonna throw this out here too and i'm sure i'll get some smiles but a lot of millennials i can imagine clapping their hands when these churches were shut down during this pandemic to declare, yes, there's an opportunity where we might be able to see some change. This is something that was not yet. This is something that you, you didn't order. You didn't order this plate. God just gave it to you and he sent it. And a lot of us are actually viewing this as an opportunity to now make adjustments where real ministry that impacts the community that has relevant impact. Again, one third of the community can't name one favorable impact that our church is making in the communities in which we are yeah. divinely placed, yeah. which is a problem to us in particular. Yeah. We are, they call us the connected generation. Again, we weren't, we didn't grow up with these, you know, apps and stuff, but we've dealt with it long enough to be considered a connected generation. 
And that does seep into our our ministry mindset mm -hmm. that if this what we're doing is only to meet our needs, then that is not a part of my ethos. That's not a part of what really matters to me. How can what we're doing impact in a positive and a beneficent way the community in which we are? Again, connection is very important to us. So it has to have some relevance outside of the four walls. So I do want to go ahead and say the rumor is not 100 percent wrong. Sure, there are some folks leaving the organization. They're not a lot of them, though, I, I, I dare say are not they don't fit the bill when y'all are talking about these folks are leaving Jesus and they're, they're right. leaving the ark of safety. No, um, they're still in the ark, but they they're not in they're not in your ark. <laughs> and and JD, what you said, man, yo, that is so, so profound. And I, I just want to add to what you said because when Pastor Wade, when you when you made your your statement uh, about you know turning the ship or whatever, I think you can't turn the ship from the tourist cabin. <laughs> and so uh, I feel like what often happens as well is there's this expectation from Gen X and from boomers that millennials have to stay on the ship, but they can only exist mm -hmm. in positions and in rooms that actually have absolutely no power or influence in turning wow. the ship whatsoever. And, Say that. and so you oh, want me God. to stay on the ship but she won't let me get to the wheel to turn it in any way, shape, or form. And so really all of our conversations around millennials are, how can we keep them on the ship? It's not how can we actually get them engaged to hear what it is that they have to say and offer so that they can actually turn the ship. And, and, and I think it's so critical why we started the conversation where we did. Millennials are grown, educated, <laughs> professionals who are doing well off the ship. And so if people are asking us to turn the ship in non-organized religious spaces and we are successfully, you know, uh, guiding ships out there, we fundamentally come into our churches believing that we can do the same thing there. And when we are not given those opportunities, it is very, very frustrating. And so it's like, well, you know what? Just like JD said, you know what? If you're not going to actually let me influence and, and share with you how to turn the ship and how to make this a better ship, then I'm going to leave, I'm going to build my own ship, and then I'm going to drive that ship myself. And that's what's happening. It's not that we're not driving in the same direction towards Jesus Christ and his second coming. It's that I just don't want to keep riding with you. So I'm going to get on my own ship. My Lord, my toes are hurting me now. Hey, <laughs> hey listen, I, I'm listening to this and I'm thinking about just what we do in government. I mean, we, we'll take an 18-year-old, train him, and put him in charge of flying a billion-dollar airplane, right, in the, in, in the Air Force. He, he's at the controls or she is at the controls of a billion-dollar airplane, mm -hmm. but we won't let a 20-year-old or 25-year-old be a church treasurer. Mm -hmm. uh, because they don't have enough experience. They don't have enough or, or they won't drive the church truck or a church bus or whatever that is. That's that's just. Yeah. So I, we can absolutely see why people are wanting to. We're going to go do it ourselves. All right. Wow. So, so was, before before we move on, one of our viewers asked this question. I think maybe it's it's fair to ask the question. What's keeping you all in the church? What's keeping you all here? 
<laughs> JD, you might have to say, hey, I, 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 you know, I mean, the first thing that came to mind when I thought about that question to you is, well, you know, look who my father is. No, uh, I mean, what, what, what's keeping y'all in the church? What, what it, could y'all share? Would y'all be willing to share? Absolutely. I, I'd love to hear from the ladies first before I jump in. I, I'll, 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 okay, yeah, I think for me, um, and I've said this to so many people because there have been people who have jumped. Gen- friends who have genuinely asked, like, why are you still there? Like, what, what is the church giving you that you couldn't get? You know, like you're saying, like, still following Jesus full heartedly, the Seventh-day Adventist message, but just the structure of it. Um, For me, it's the fact that I get to actually do something that's making a change, right? And if I wasn't actively able to make a change in what I do every single day, um, I'd be gone. I really like, I know that sounds awful, but I, I would pull my hair out. I do pull my hair out. And the fact that I can go to a church and connect with kids and youth and young adults and actually give them the, give them the like steering, like the wheel of the ship and say, it might be a small ship right now, but you can do it. Like to me, that's why I stay is because I feel like there is that hope of things changing. I've seen minor things here and there. Um, but the day that I feel like I can't make a difference anymore, the day I hit that glass ceiling, whatever it might be, would be the day that I think I would step back and say, there's there's not a lot of hope right here anymore. So it's awesome to be able to see the change being able to be made. But that's why I'm still here. Yeah, that's really good, Jessica. Um I think that I'm still here because I have been, one, I believe in the doctrines of this church. I am Seventh-day Adventist because I believe in the Seventh-day Adventist message. Mm -hmm. I remain in the structure of Seventh-day Adventism because I feel called to, like Jessica said, help steer the ship. And I just happen to be one of those Mm -hmm. people that if you put me in a cabin, I'm not going to stay in there and watch cartoons. I'm going to come out. And I'm going to come up to the cabin door. I'm going to knock on the door and I'm going to let you know, I think you're steering in the wrong direction. Now, I happen to understand, though, that not everybody feels mm-hmm. called to that. And I don't think that it's every person's responsibility to do that. Mm-hmm. And quite frankly, mm-hmm. I also believe that I came in contact with a host of Gen Xers and, and boomers who did believe in equipping the next generation so that at 29 years old, I am currently the head clerk of Emmanuel Brinklow SDA Church. Mm-hmm. Like that is one of the largest, wealthiest, prestigious Seventh-day Adventist churches in the Allegheny East Conference. And a 29-year-old is their head clerk. In other words, a 29-year-old is in the is in the cabin with the captain helping to steer the ship. And mm-hmm. so I am somewhere where I have been granted the opportunity to help the steering of the ship of my local church. And I recognize that that's not everybody's story. And I think knowing that there are so many who are myself and Jessica and JD's ages who are at local churches and they are not being given the opportunity to, to lead, not being given the opportunity to contribute. I now feel as though it's my responsibility to help um 
shift the culture and shift the understanding within our church at large so that we can get more 20 somethings in in the role as head treasurer and in the role as head deacon and, and in some of these other roles contributing on the grounds so that our churches really begin to flourish the way that they can but um as you know pastor wade did say and i do agree with him um if i see something wrong and then my answer is to leave then there's a chance that whatever was wrong might not get fixed, particularly if I'm the only one that sees that there's something wrong. But again, I still fundamentally do not feel as though there's anything wrong with people saying, you know what, like God has not gifted me in that area. God has not called me to do that. And, um, and so I'm now going, going to do something else or engage in my spirituality, engage in my Christian community and fellowship in another way, because I have become burnt out and burdened with the, um, kind of exclusion push out model that has been happening, you know, since, since all of us panelists were children. All of us, all of us, all of us, <laughs> all of us. Uh, well, I'll jump in and, and I, agree with what both of my esteemed panelists have declared. Uh, number one, theologically, I'm in alignment with what our organization believes, but I've also had the privilege of opportunities that a lot of other people weren't necessarily given. So I was a youth pastor at my dad's church when I was 17 years old. Um, I was a senior pastor hired by the South Central Conference at 21 years old. Um, and I've been a senior pastor since then. And that was, what, 10 years ago? I'm 31 right now. Um, so I've been given opportunities within the organization to, as uh, again, Jessica and Claudia have declared, to make an impact, to help try to to turn the ship in a direction that I think is, is helpful and relevant. Um, and additionally, I mean, I'm employed by the conference right now. So that is also providing for my family. Um, so those are some, some I'll, I'll stop there. Uh, well, my father, my father in particular is a huge reason why I'm still a part of it. Um, he modeled for me earlier on in ministry that even when the organization says no, you can still find a way to get it done. Mm. Um, and mm. no is, you know, you got to take no as your vitamin. Um, I'm, mm. And I mentioned it earlier. I'm a, I'm a relentless optimist. Mm. And when I say that, I mean, that's one of the benefits of being millennial, by the way, one of the benefits of being young is that you almost have a naivety to believe that I can just do it no matter what. Um, mm -hmm. And I'm one of those people, I guess it's in me, um, passed down from generation to generation, this idea that I, I don't take no for an answer. Um, and if I run into opposition, if I run into some barriers, I'm going to try my best to find a way around it and creatively seek to meet whatever need needs to be met. Um, even though the powers that be might say no. So I'm, I'm kind of I'm kind of, I don't know, from that cloth and, and I'm still in this thing because I, I believe that, that it is, it's, it's not like, it's not dead. Like there are issues that exist within our organization, but Absolutely. there's a lot of positivity too. And there's, I think even more that can be done organizationally speaking. And let me throw this out there. Um, and my dad has always spoken this into my life. Every movement has been led. If you look into the history yeah. uh, books, every significant seismic shift has typically had a young person at the helm leading the charge. Yeah. Um, and I want to be a part of, of that. I want to. I want. I want God to use me in that way. So it's a calling. Um, not everybody has that calling, 
but that's a calling I feel God has placed on my shoulders. And I'm going to do my very best to help make necessary adjustments and alterations as it relates organizationally um, to, to our church. Hey, I I um I want to I want to also echo what uh, one of our viewers said. Cook Nugent, we just had it up. Uh, he said the fact that all three of the panelists on here today is proof that if we give them responsibility, they will step up to the challenge. And yeah. I think that that speaks volumes to um to and I think this happens everywhere. I think we 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 kind of look at it in a in a in we kind of zero in on on certain areas. But as I go across North America and I go into some of the rural churches, there are young people, there are young adults, there are millennials who are making a difference there. They, they just are not in the New Yorks or the, the Chicagos or, or in the Denvers, but they are making a difference. Or even in the Orlandos, they are making a difference. And um, they're just not, they're unsung heroes. Mm -hmm. And I think as a church... Uh, we have more of those than more of those who leave. I, I think we spend too much time looking at the ones who leave, and there are a lot of them who stay and who are making a difference in, in the lives of uh, others. Mm. Can, I say, can I jump in, y'all? Yeah, oh, hey, go right in. This is your sorry, show. It'll be, it'll be short, Claudia, and then you can jump no, and share no, your no, thought. No, no. no, but here, here's the deal. What you just mentioned is so powerful. Because if opportunity is provided, I'm trying to tell you, man, there are so many yeah. ideas and creative. Um, uh, God God has spoken, I believe, man, to millennials all over the world, not just in our, in our country. And if the opportunities are presented to them, that we don't just want to walk through the door. We want to kick that door down and mm. we want to do great things. And I can speak to you. I can speak to you uh, given a million and one illustrations of how that is the case. But oftentimes... The opportunities that are provided, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna just go throw it out there and say it. I am a pastor. Uh, my opportunities when I was younger came as a result of me saying, young, as a young boy, I want to be a pastor. So they looked at me and they said, "Oh, you want to be a pastor? Let me give you opportunity." I want to say this: the opportunities that we provide can't always be within the traditional veins yeah. of ministry. Wow. There, I, I want. Come I want, on, friend. I, go I, ahead, friend. Thank God that I, I'm sorry, I said this was going to be yeah. short. Thank God that I am a pastor and people value pastoral ministry. Mm -hmm. But I feel saddened that others who have gifting in the technology and the arts and gifting in non-traditional areas of ministry wow. have to leave the organizational space to find their place mm. out there in a non-church environment. Wow. And what I'm trying to suggest is that the opportunities can't be so pigeonholed to where yeah. it's, it's where we're forcing people who are not called to preach, mm. who are not called to sing, who are not called to play an instrument, who maybe don't have a relevant part to play in the 11 o'clock worship service. Come maybe on. we should not try to force everybody to fit inside of one of those uh one of those hold opportunities that are relevant to us in our worship space. I, what I want to suggest is that the opportunities that we present can't merely be traditional opportunities. We have to be okay with providing space, y'all. And that's it. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. I'm done. Claudia, jump back in. Jump back in. Yo, JD, <laughs> saying nothing but a word. Okay. I, I, I live.
generally, I think that we have, I think previous generations have boxed in the idea of, of what ministry is. And I think that millennials are trying to open that, not really even open it, tear the box open and say, you know what, I want this side of the box. You know, have you guys ever seen like a baby, like when you give them a toy and it's like they take the toy out the box and then they start playing with the box and not the toy. And it's right. like, man, I should have just given this kid the box. Right. <laughs> right? I, I feel like millennials are like young babies who see our denomination and who see ministry, this toy, and we are trying to tear the box open and yeah. we don't want to play with the toy. We just want to, yeah. we want to really redo the box. And yeah. I feel like there are so many creatives out there. I mean, I end up on, you know, virtual panels at ungodly hours of the night on Friday with some of these individuals. <laughs> because <laughs> we are all, you know, I am a writer. Like, I am a writer at my core. I know people who are playwrights. I know people who write music. I know people who are in the tech industry. And it's like, where is, why isn't it that we don't understand AV and communications as being ministry? Why don't we understand um, the health and temperance department as being a part of ministry? And why don't we understand the writers and the playwrights as being a part of ministry? Why is it that the minute that you... Uh, do anything good for God that is on a pulpit, the moment it's like, okay, you got to write a song, you got to sing a song, you got to preach, you got to become a pastor. Like, I'm, I try my hardest right now to differentiate myself from pastors, not because I am unwilling to become a pastor, but I don't like when people immediately equate me like, oh, Claudia, well, you know what it's like to be a female pastor. No, I don't. <laughs> I've never been a female pastor in my life. I am an itinerant female preacher. Am I a great one? Maybe so. But that brings its own uh, that brings its own entity, right? That does not mean that, you know, because you like the way I preach, that God has anointed me to pastoral ministry. There are so the, the gifts are laid out there. And and so I think that we've got to be willing to allow our millennials to say, you know what, I've, this is who I am and this is what I want to do. And this is what ministry is for me and be okay with the fact that maybe they don't want that old title of being deacon and they don't want that old title of public affairs and religious liberty. And they don't want that old title of deaconess. And they don't want that old title, like, because whatever it is that they've been called to do or whatever they want to do, they feel it does not fit within that box. And I, I feel like I personally am trying to even understand it within my own life through reflection. I don't fully understand it. But, and right now I am just personally transparent, transparently in a space where I see as though I am tearing this box apart and I don't want the toy. Mm. I'm, I'm playing with the box. Yes. Yeah. And I'm, I'm trying to build something else. And, and I'm seeing that because I'm building something that's not the toy, there are people that have left and who have been thinking about leaving, who are being touched because I'm not so caught up with the toy. Yeah. Yep. yep. Jessica, Jessica, I know you and I have had a lot of conversations <laughs> about this very point. Come on, yep. share, share your, your thoughts. <laughs> 
You know, I, okay, I don't want to get myself in trouble here. Um, so I'm going to try worry, to... I will back you up with anything. Say what you got to say, sis. I'll, I'll, I'll we, defend you. I'll, I'll we got I'll, your back. Here's the deal is that when I think about what our church does, and I think, wow, like there are thriving Seventh-day Adventist churches that are giving the reins to people my age and even younger. There are so many thriving areas in that. But I look and I see what do all of these other churches outside of our denomination that are thriving have in common? Mm -hmm. And we have mega churches, not even mega churches, but just churches where there are kids who are in charge of expensive equipment, who are running sound, who are running audio, who are literally running the church buildings, small groups, whatever it might be. And these churches are flourishing. And a title that my husband and I have been using so often lately is, well, it's, you know, these pe this company, this is a company man, right? And in the Seventh-day Adventist church, we have all these people. And Claudia, you spoke on it at the very beginning that millennials aren't tied to an institution, right? We're tied to great ideas and big dreams and people who have their morals in line. So it's not like I'm like, I need to be a Seventh-day Adventist. It's my beliefs align with this. And I love this place and I love these people, but I'm not, I don't consider myself to be a company gal. Like my goal is to not make this system that has been set up run smoothly. Like I don't need the engine to keep chugging along the way it's chugging along. I need to be able to do ministry without all of these things that we've been putting into place to stop it. And this is what Roger knows I've talked about is, I'm like, why are we working with systems and with policies that were created before I was born? The world has changed, but we refuse things. We refuse to move and so, say, this doesn't work anymore. And so we end up either creating company millennials in the Seventh-day Adventist church who are just going to try and chug along and then get burnt out and depressed, or they go find their place where they can fit in and they can start making things happen in 2020. Mm. My Lord. So, so, the so chat good. is totally lit. It, it seems like a midnight cafe, yeah. Claudia. <laughs> listen. <laughs> listen. No, our, hey. this is mm. Hey, let, let, let me let me let me throw this in here. And I and I and I, I see um, Kirk Nugent is on the line. He said not to call him out. Um, <laughs> My bad, bro. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to call him out because I think there's an aspect. And, and, and I, I'm going to ask forgiveness ahead of time, Kirk. Um, and one of his his midnight cafe things I, I, I was and he doesn't know this, but I remember a few weeks back I was listening to him tell this story of doing what you guys have described millennials do. I'm going to go outside of the box and I'm going to create my own thing. I'm going to do this thing. And, 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 and he moved me to tears as, as he was telling and sharing the impact that his action had on a generation before him. When he was saying, when he finally said he went out on his own, he was going to move outside of the confines of the structure or the box that people were going to put him in. And that mm. he's wrestling with his parents as he wrestled with that. And the parents, you know, as a parent, you wrestle with that. But then the, the day that 
his father came to him and I might be messing up the story. I would bring you in to have you tell it yourself, Kirk, but we're not set up to be able to do that right now. But, but that one day when his father came to him and said, I am so inspired by seeing you do what you've done. Now I want you to, will you help me write my mm. book that I've always been wanting to write? I, and, and that's the thing that, that when, when the younger generation does things for the, it doesn't just stay within the generation. Come There's on. an inspiration and a power that exudes and overflows from that and inspires older people who one yes. day, one, at one point had a dream that somebody poured some, some, yes. some cold water on or doused the fire. And it's that thing. And that's why there's just so much power in our younger generations and we overlook it we douse it but somebody's got to keep those flames going so thank you mm. we thank you for what you guys are, are doing and and stay at it um man raj we we are um we, we got like four questions left and we only gotten into two of them um <laughs> now, this, is, this is rich this is yeah. totally rich Listen, wow. I, I I don't know. You know, we spent we spent the the ending of um last season, kind of developing um what the structure of the churches or what the mission of the churches are are the are the things that we hold dear like finances, uh, organization, um, governance. Are those things important? Are they meeting the needs of the mission? I, I want to ask this question. Um. Um, do millennials understand the mission of the Seventh-day Adventist Church? Do, do, they, do they understand um, what the church is about? Or I know we kind of brushed on it a little bit in terms of not being connected or not being loyal to, to um, a structure, uh, more loyal to an idea. How does the mission play into that? Any of you want to share? So I think that millennials... Um are not attached to the the vision and the mission of the global church. And so I do think that the global church has an agenda and a mission that it is trying to accomplish. And they do not um, immediately, at least millennials in the, in the North, in the NAD, don't kind of immediately align and say, that is exactly what I'm about. And so here are is a year of preaching of the investigative judgment. And here is uh, my opportunity to now get everyone I know in the community on a plant-based diet. Um, that's just not, you know, like there are certain things about the global church within their mission that I don't think that we necessarily immediately align to. And I think that it's about the fact that millennials see more pressing immediate needs so if I, as a millennial, am very big on causes and I'm seeing that climate change is an issue and police brutality is an issue and voter suppression is an issue and all of these things that are rightly and immediately affecting the mind, body, soul, spirit, uh, overall wellness, social being of people at a very immediate level, then I don't care about preaching the investigative judgment. It's irrelevant to me. It immediately becomes irrelevant to me, okay? So that then um, our question becomes, who at the local level, who are the pastors? Because I have to speak as a layperson, right? Unt you know, Pastor Jose is still calling me in a pastoral ministry. Until then, Pastor Jose, okay, Cortez, <laughs> I'm still a layperson, all right? So as a, as a layperson, 
we then identify who are the pastors that I can align with that are going to help me accomplish, you know, meeting these kind of immediate needs in my community, right? So that when I first moved out here to Maryland, out right out of Andrews, uh, I went, ended up going to Metropolitan SDA Church where Pastor Brenda Billingy and Pastor Marquise Johns were pastoring. I was there until I graduated from Georgetown the entire time because I aligned not just with the theological teachings of that church, but I aligned with the mission and the ministerial duties of that church. The moment that Pastor B retired and they moved Pastor Johns to North Philly, immediately I left. Right. Hmm. So some people would think, yo, Claudia, you were at that church for like two years, two and a half years. Like, why would you leave? Like, why why not stay at Metro? I had not made I had I love all the people that were there. They were I mean, amazing relationships. I still have. But in my heart, I wasn't necessarily attached to the church itself. I was attached to the leadership. So then I left and joined another church that had a similar vision, whose leadership had a similar vision. And so I think that um, when we're thinking about this, I think we have to think about it from the standpoint of, at least when we're talking about mission. I think that for us, mission is about who is the individual is or the individual pastor or, or a local church leadership that is engaging in mission in a way that I believe aligns with my passions, what I believe God is calling me to do right now and calling me to participate in, and how can I then aid in that mission? That is our approach. And I think that there, the young people who happen to be in conferences and in territories where they cannot find a local church uh, body or leader that exudes or exemplifies any kind of practical theology, mission, and vision that they particularly align with. Those are the individuals that are particularly stressed out in our churches who are considering leaving because they feel as though there are no options and they can't find the people or the pastors that really align with their mission or what they believe God's mission is for them. Can I jump wow. in? Yeah, yeah, real yeah. Quick. Come on, because, absolutely. Oh, because right there on the tail end of what you're saying, Claudia, I agree with everything that you just mentioned. And when the question was first posed, so I'm right now earning my PhD in organizational theology, right? Or not organizational, That's... organizational leadership. And in a recent class, we had an assignment where we had to research and then uh, write about espoused versus actual mission and mm -hmm. values and ethics. And there is a difference. There's a difference between what we say we believe and do mm. and what we actually create on a local right. level in the culture mm. of our organization. The culture can be completely antithetical to the espoused mission. vision and mission. You can say whatever you want on your website. But if I go there mm -hmm. for the interview and everybody is mean and nasty and it's wow. nothing like what you said you were to be like as an organization on all of those different sites and in all of the resources that I found in my research, once I get there, if there is conflict, and this also, by the way, just in, in organizations, period, it is a great factor in uh, turnover rates increasing. Mm -hmm. It is a great factor in reduced engagement by employees. It's a yep. it's a huge factor 
in watch this also um, it, as it relates to production um, in organizations. All of it, a lot of the frustration that I have heard out of the mouths of millennials who are aggravated with the quote-unquote organization has very little to do with the espoused uh, mission and the espoused values and the espoused morals and ethics of the organization. We we agree. You can put the, go to the website. That's we it. Agree. We you agree. Sign off and say that sounds great. But then the reality okay. on the local level in the culture, um, when it doesn't line up, that's where that cognitive dissonance comes in and, and frustration ensues, and that's where the issue lies. So I don't know if that's kind of what you were going for as it relates to a- asking that question about the mission. I don't think there's anything wrong with the mission. And a lot of the millennials I've spoken to don't have an issue with the espoused mission. It's right. the espoused versus the actual. Um, that's uh, where I think the, the tension lies. And I want to add to what JG just said. I think that that has been an issue within our denomination from the beginning because Louis Sheaf also had an issue with the espoused mission of the church with the three angels message. And yet they're maintained structural racism within the institution and how they practiced. And so this teaching that they were giving at the time, which technically should have eradicated racism, did not eradicate it amongst Seventh-day Adventists in the late 1800s. So that Louis Sheaf himself found this to be problematic and wanted to leave his church, right? So I think that, like, there's a long history. Um, I, can, I can't speak for any other church, but at least within ours, where there is this dissonance between what you say and mm-hmm. then what I see happening. The other thing that I want to add and then I'm just going to be quiet for the rest of the day so, so that Jessica and JD can talk talk too much. But I, I, the other thing I want to add is I do think that organized religion, how it operates, it is key for us to understand that, all right? Because I don't think that this is just an issue within Seventh-day Adventism. And I think sometimes because we think that it's like, okay, I'm going to leave and I'm going to join something else or start something else. I think what we need to be clear about is all organized religion exists on a spectrum. The Seventh-day Adventist church has a variety of levels, right? And so those of us who are aware of it, it's like local church, conference, union, division, general conference, right? That in and of itself is a lot of layers. So that means immediately that there are going to be places of departure, Saints of God, there will be places of departure where we do not always agree from from the top all the way down to the bottom. And so that does not mean then that there's something wrong with the whole pot. What it means is is that we can't see it in that light. We must see it as we are a body of believers where everyone is thinking and interpreting differently and that we must be in conversation and we must attempt to do what we feel God has called us to to, to do to the best of our abilities. And the fact of the matter is, like JD said earlier, uh, we have to get to a point where we are willing to do some push and some effort on whatever it is that we want to do ministerially, because I truly do, based on my observation, there is no ministerial idea that I as a lay person or a Jessica or a pastor JD could come up with as, as local church leaders, pastors, where uh, President Theodore Wilson himself is going to come out of Silver Spring, come down to Florida and tell Pastor Doggett, no, you cannot do that. Mm-hmm. 
that's not how our church functions or operates. And so I think we've got to kind of eliminate this, this big bad bully that we've turned the institution into. Um, and we've got to stop seeing it as this big, big barricade uh, that's constantly seeking to keep us from doing the kinds of things that we want to do and just start doing the work. Let's just start doing the work because more than likely your GC president, your division president, your union president are not going to come talk to you. If anybody comes to talk to you, it's going to be your conference president. All right. (laughs) That's the big point of it all is everything. The real deal, the rubber hitting the road is the local church. And honestly, a huge silver lining of this pandemic is that we get to see what is our identity, right? Because all the way up, right? Like the GC, the divisions, everyone has this idea of what they want their identity to be, whether it's in practice or in theory. But when it comes down to the local churches, they're scrambling, right? Mm -hmm. Because there are local churches that realized our identity is in a worship service. That is our identity. We are going to now take everything we did from the opening announcements, to the prayer time, to the hymn that we sing, <laughs> to the sermon, to even maybe a children's story if you're lucky. And we are going to put it on a screen and have our people watch it on a screen. And we're fulfilling our mission and we're doing ministry. Talk. That is not your ministry. If our, if our identity, if when we boil it down and we have like a pandemic that's saying you need to hone in on who you are right now, if all we have to offer is an online service on YouTube? Come on. Are you kidding Come on. me? I'm about to shout. I'm about to shout. <laughs> because we don't have more to offer right now. Because we have poured everything into a Saturday morning church service that now there are people who are in need and who are investigating their hearts and actually mm. looking for something more meaningful in their lives. And we're sitting around doing our church service as is doing our church service for Seventh-day Adventists. We're not an outreach church. We are a maintenance church. And this hey! has ripped that off. And now this mask that we're wearing is showing us who we really are. You better shout. Listen to me. Listen Ooh, to this me. is all bubbling Listen out. To me. Listen to me, Jessica. You better talk, Jessica. You better talk right now. Okay? You're setting the ball up too well. <laughs> Jessica, look, it can't be my said Lord, any better my than Lord. that. It can't be said any better than that. I'll say this, though, as it relates to just the evolution of organization. And I don't know if this is maybe a reminder for some of our boomers and Gen Xers, but the evolution of organization Um, says that over time, the mission that initially launched the organization, the purpose for which they came into being, oftentimes gets lost Mm -hmm. because people transition from honing in on that purpose to now becoming more maintenance-minded. Because the question, rather than it being how can we accomplish the purpose, now becomes how can we maintain our organization. Mm -hmm. And rather than remaining focused, you know, mission-minded and focused on the purpose, Oftentimes, it's called oligarchy. It's the evolution of organization. Oftentimes, we try to figure out, Sports Illustrated, how to make a better magazine rather than trying to figure out how to best relay sports information to the people. So ESPN shows up, and now you're no longer relevant because all you were trying to do was make a better magazine over the years. How about Kodak? I mean, we can go down the line. We can go Blockbuster. I mean, Vietnam. Well, and J.D. used it with 
that there are people now meeting in their homes, that this is getting to an act style of people. And here's the deal. During this pandemic, there are there are people our age taking to the streets, calling for justice. That is our church. That is our mission. That mm. is our vision. There are people having small groups together for meals. There are people donating to causes and working hard to actually take care of the people in front of them. They are living the vision and the mission of the Seventh-day Adventist church, but they're not tuning into YouTube, right? They're not hopping online. They're not engaged in that. And so we're saying now, like, if we don't do a church service, we're not doing church, right? We're not that mission and vision. But all of my friends are out there doing the call on their life to love their neighbor and mm. look out for those who are oppressed and to take care of the hungry and the orphan and the widow and to start actually serving in our communities. This pandemic might just be the best thing for our churches. Mm. Yeah. You, you've opened up. Listen. Well, right? Wow. Uh, she, listen, listen, J- Jessica just gave me the green light. Okay. Speaking truth. Okay. Because literally, I I so agree with what you're saying, Jessica, because I have heard so many of my close friends say this, like, yo, Claudia, when I don't miss church, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. I don't miss church. I don't Mm. miss, I am, when y'all call for the regathering, you will not find me. I'm good. Okay? I'm not, I'm not putting another suit on. I'm not putting another pretty dress on mm-hmm. and coming into the congregation to hear y'all do the call to worship, preach for an hour, and yes. then leave. I'm not doing it. I'm going to stay in my house. But the other thing that you said that's so profound, though, is that we have not forsaken the assembling of the brethren. That's right. That's right. This is the text we keep using. I heard it from a, from a major preacher today, even preaching, and it, and it troubled me because we always say this text with an alignment of the idea that mm-hmm. well, when we get out of COVID, y'all, don't worry. We, we need to get back into the building. Don't forsake the assembling of the brethren. We yeah. still have to go to church. And it's like, no, we have misunderstood that text from the get. Within the yes. context of that text, they were meeting in homes. They were yes. not That's meeting. That's right. He was not speaking yes. in reference to the synagogue. So yes. at the end of the day, every single time I get on a Zoom with my friends, and we did a Zoom back in, I think it was April or May, and did a baby dedication for my for my friend's uh, baby. Like, that was not the forsaking of the assembling of the brethren when we all went That's around right. and spoke blessings and favor and prayed over that infant, all right? So when you talk about forsaking the assembling of the brethren, we're talking about do not get yourself in isolation where you are not with like-minded believers. And that is not what millennials are doing. Millennials are gathering in small groups. They are going out in protests. They are serving the community. They're meeting on Zoom. They're doing conference calls. There is a gathering. There is fellowship happening. There is Bible study being had. There is prayer being given, but it is not in the building. And I think that that is what we've got to get people, at least the Gen X and the boomers to accept that I don't have to be in your building to commune with your God. I don't have to be in the building to be able to actually do ministry. In fact, like I said, I'm breaking the box. I'm staying Mm -hmm. out the building. I'm doing corn (laughs) supervisor. 
Tag, listen, because what you're saying is so true. And one of the reasons why I think it's so mind blowing to me is that we love to augment that interpretation because now that we can't gather in our, on our mm -hmm. buildings, we then want to apply it to the virtual sanctuary. And what we do is we relegate now your church involvement to making sure you tune in to my 11 o'clock service. But let me just tell y'all something, because you done pressed the green light, and I'm excited to share now. The word of God declares in Romans, Preach, where it talks boy. about laying your life down um, at, on the altar of sacrifice, for this is your reasonable service. Did you not know that that word service or worship is also service in the Greek, which means service and worship are inextricably linked. The idea that we want people to gather inside of a four-walled sanctuary to lift up holy hands and to sing, and that is what equates to worship, is an absolute fallacy and it is a farce. We need you to know that when it comes to worship, worship is getting out there in the streets and bringing justice to those places where injustice reigns. Worship is you not allowing yourself to be caught up in this mind, this sanctuary. Can I just tell you? Jesus did not disciple his disciples inside of the synagogue, but he did it on the road of service. And many people have no idea what their gifts are because their gift that God has given them through the spirit is not required for an 11 o'clock service. So many of us are walking around not knowing what we currently possess because we think that the only way God is going to bless me is for me to show out so I can be celebrated and receive the adulation of the crowd in the 11 o'clock worship service. When the truth of the matter is Jesus Nobody didn't cares. disciple his disciples in the sanctuary. He said, let's go out there on the road of service. And Ooh. how did they grow? They yeah. grew when Jesus yeah. said, I'm yeah. fixing you two by two. I need y'all yeah. to go out there. And they came back and said, Jesus, yeah. I got to tell you something. <laughs> I can't believe that we had power yeah. to be able to heal the sick and power. Mercy. <laughs> and demons were, were fleeing from our presence. We had power. And they discovered the power, were not in the sanctuary or the mm -hmm. synagogue, but it was when they had the nerve to leave the sanctuary. And watch this to go to spaces and places where the gifts were required because why would God give me the gift of healing if I never went to a sick person's bedside mm. to then be there and say, God, I need you to show up. The gifts, the, the gifts become evident and relevant when you go into the space where the need exists. And yeah. oftentimes the needs outside the sanctuary go unmet because we don't prioritize them as being a part of our ethos or being a part of our mission. When ultimately, I'm sorry, y'all, I'm getting excited right now. I'm gonna pull back the reins because, because what has happened is, what has happened is we have, and it's already been stated multiple times, we have allowed the, the we have allowed the success of our past to freeze us. I heard somebody say that yeah. tradition is frozen success. It is a clock mm. that tells you what time it was, not what time it is. Mm. And we're too busy, stuck in this time work. And Jessica, you talked about it earlier because mm. we experienced some success by putting up a tent somewhere. Wow. And then we saw somebody who was drunk wander up to the altar and give their heart to the Lord. And we want to keep doing it over and over and over and over and over and over. And if anybody were to challenge what we've done because we've seen it succeed before, we dare, you are, you, you, you disrespectful millennial. Get out of my ah. face. I don't want to hear anything you have to say coming up here talking to me. I've experienced success doing it this way. And I want to tell you, you did, but that was 40 years ago. And we're now in 2020. Yeah. I just want to encourage somebody here. And because I don't know who, I mean, whoever's watching, maybe I need to speak to somebody specific. Can I talk to you? Come Who's on. watching, you millennial. I need you to know that. You where, where's my organ, things. man? <laughs> <laughs> 
I'm done. See, no, I don't. No, 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 no. Uh, uh, uh. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Let me, let me. I'll talk. I'll talk to the millennial. Maybe Jess and Claudia can talk to the older generation. But let me talk to the millennial. Um, and I did this last time, and I feel it's so very important to do. God has called us to be change agents, and I know it's frustrating. I know you're tired. I know you're irritated and aggravated. But I want you to know that God can use you. You can be the vessel through which change, reformation, and restoration might flow. I want you to know that you're important, that your gifting is recognized, that your success outside the, the four-wall church is valuable, and that you do have a place within these four walls. All of us here are leaders who want to celebrate you and your gifts, who want you to know that you have a seat at the table. If you need to connect with anybody, y'all, it's a virtual atmosphere now. We can connect no matter where we are. If you want to connect with somebody who will help you to equip you, remember the two, the two uh, priorities in this generation, 61% said, I want to grow my faith. And no, 63% said, I want to grow my faith. 61% said, I want to learn more about God. If these are important and valuable things to you, if you want to connect with folks who will go out to the community and you want to see things happen in the spaces and places that surround your sanctuary and not just in your sanctuary, then connect with us. You're important. We see you. Be encouraged. This ain't their church. This is your church. And My you Lord. do have a place. And you and look, if they say no, take no as your vitamin. Back up, dust your shoulders off. And I, I dare you to go home, lick your wounds, and have the nerve to come out the next day and fight to win again. Don't <laughs> give up. When it gets hard, don't give in when it gets difficult. Don't throw in the towel. As a matter of fact, pick that towel up, wipe your sweat off your brow, and I want you to keep on moving. Keep on trusting. Keep on attempting. Keep on stretching. Keep on climbing because you are important. You are valuable. And I think that is important to say that you, you as a millennial do have something to offer, and you are important in this, this thing called church. And as, as, as you know, I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. I just had to rip up the rest of the script. There ain't no need for us to go any further. <laughs> can, can I speak to the older generation? Come on, come on. Then? Do it. It's your Do shirt. It. We aren't trying to run the ship into the coastline. I think that that needs to be understood yeah. is somehow, somewhere along the line, this idea that we give the wheel to a millennial or to a Gen Z or to someone with these crazy wild ideas and dreams, we're not trying to run you into the coastline. We're not trying to destroy the ship. We are trying to take it to new places. That spirit is being poured out into us and we are excited and give us, let us be excited. Let us follow that incredible call of Jesus to go forward with energy. But when you halt, when you even just put a little damper on it and say, ooh, ooh, have we thought of this? Or our system doesn't really work with that. It just, it's discouraging. Um, and not all of us handle discouragement the way that JD has called us to go forward. And so Give us, come alongside and cheer with us. See what we're doing. We're not trying to push you out of the way and blind you to what we're doing. We just want you to come see what we've got going and what we can see happening in our church. So remember, we are not trying to crash your ship. We are taking, we are trying to take it to beautiful places. We're about to head up to the beach on an come island. Come on, come on. We're not crashing into the rock. You give us that wheel and we are going to take you to places you never thought our church could have been before. 
So we're here for it. And boomers, Gen X, we want you to be here for it too, because we're excited. My Lord, my Lord. Claudia, you have any last words you want to share? Yeah, got everyone me else all is sharing. Up, man. man. So today my pastor, Pastor uh, Pastor Anthony Medley, he preached a sermon today and he preached on John uh, on the island, island of Patmos. And my pastor is a teacher. And as he was teaching, he, he talked about how John on the island of Patmos was in his 90s when he received the revelation, when he received revelation. He was alone out there in his 90s writing what God had inspired to him. Now, after that, he leaves the island of Patmos, right? John does not die on the island of Patmos, but he goes back to Ephesus. And it is there in his 90s that he then writes the gospel of John. <laughs> it was good to my spirit when I heard it. I didn't know it at first, all right? <laughs> but the difference between John writing the revelation on the island of Patmos and John writing the gospel of John is that John at 90 was writing the book of Revelation by himself. And scholars often suggest, you know, may, maybe John didn't write the book of Revelation because there's so many writing errors and the Greek is problematic and blah, 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 blah. And then you see the gospel of John and it's so well edited and so well put together. It's like this can't be the same author. But the difference is, is that John was in his 90s on the island of Patmos by himself writing the book of Revelation. And when he was writing the gospel of John, he had help. Come on. He had assistance. He was in Ephesus so that God was speaking to him in his old age and he was transcribing. But he also had young people who were beside him <laughs> helping him to do the work. And what I believe is that God has a mission for this church. And there is a beauty that cannot be articulated if it is only written in isolation. Mm -hmm. there, are some, there is a revelation that God wants to give every Gen X, every boomer, and every silent generation. Because in your old age, there is a word that God can only give to you that he cannot give to me, JD, or Jessica. And at 80 and 90 and 70 and 60, you've got something that God has called you to do. But the fact of the matter is, is that you cannot do it as effectively or as beautifully as you could if you were not partnering with me, Jessica, and JD. I, I can't, listen, the yeah. two of them already took it all the way home. I just wanted to tell a story about John. So all I'm saying <laughs> is, is that if we're going to do this work, and if we're going to do this thing the way that I believe God has envisioned and the way Jessica said, where, where we're not driving you into the bank, we're driving you into the beach, we're driving you to an island somewhere, we're, we're driving you to new places that you haven't seen. I love the way she put that. If In order for that to happen, we've got to come together and see ourselves so that you guys do not see us as replacing you. Mm. Yeah. Millennials are not seeking to replace and take the spaces of Gen X and Boomer and Silent so that you are irrelevant, so that you are no longer ministering, so that you are no longer receiving words and revelation from God and being used by God. Mm. It is not about putting you out of space. 
God can still and wants to use you in your old age, but God also has visions that he's giving to the youth. He has things he wants to do with us as well. And so it's not about replacing one another. It's about how can we come together in relationship and walk together and agree and start producing a, a, a level of end time ministry that we have yet to see because we have yet to really collaborate. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness, my goodness. Woo! I am full today. Wow. Yeah, I I I I just I'm trying to f- listen. Mm. I am I am so moved. Um and move moving being moved is no good unless you move. Mm-hmm. Being moved does us no good. Jessica, in those church services that you're talking about where we structure everything to be in the building, we leave those things where people are emotionally moved. But once we leave, we do not move. We just wait till they come back and do the same thing. And, and, and so, you know, out of what we have seen and what we have heard today, it's not enough for us to simply be moved on the inside. We've got to leave this discussion today and we've got to talk to some young people and let them know you're, you're part of this thing and you've got to be in a position to help drive us not into the bank, but to the beach. You've got to go and talk to a pastor and say to your pastor, listen, can we get more of our young people or our millennials? Can we engage them more on our church board? Can we get them involved? Can we sit down and listen to what ideas they have and then find ways to resource them in order to make those ideas and make those dreams for ministry and for kingdom building a reality? Mm-hmm. Um, it's not enough just to be moved. I'm sitting here and I'm, I'm, I'm trying not to on camera wipe away some, some water in my eyes. But listen, mm. wow. I, I, it, it, it's our prayer today that somebody is not just moved emotionally in the moment, but you're moved on Monday. Yes. Um, yes. That's what we do on Sabbath. We come, we get moved on Sabbath, but are we moving on Monday? And that's that's on. that's that's got to be the thing. And so we hope that as you have joined this discussion today, from wherever you are, whatever position in the church or in life that you're in, that you're moving on Monday, not just now, but on Monday comes that you yeah. found something in your quiet place with God, in your prayer with God, that He's speaking to you to engage the mission of of helping to let people know that we have fallen deeply and madly and passionately in love with the God who's fallen deeply and madly and passionately in love with us. Um, listen, there, we, we have, we have a whole lot of questions uh, that we had less. We're going to have to have you guys back. I'm seeing this in the chat. I'm seeing this in the chat that we got to have this panel back um, from Jessica to JD to Claudia. Listen, thank you so very much for your contribution to this topic yeah, today. Thank you. Um, I think all of us are excited about the fact that ain't all the millennials, millennials leaving the church, that there are those who are saying, put me in the place to help steer. I'm a part of this thing. And so thank you. Thank you so very much for coming. Uh, we want you to stay by as soon as we, we finish the feed here. Um, We just want to kind of pray with you just a little bit before you leave. But for the rest of you, we want to invite you back on next week. Um, uh, Dr. Wade, Pastor Wade, tell us what's on the table. What's on the table and who's at the table for next week? I don't know if we can. uh, I I want to come back and talk about this stuff. (laughs) But next week, we have already set the table 
Um, this week we dealt with engaging the millennials. And uh, we kind of touched a little bit about it this week, but we are going to really dive in and talk about engaging the Gen Zs on next week. And we actually have Gen Zs who are going to be on. That's right. And so we're not just going to talk about it. They're going to talk about it with us. And so we invite you to be with us again on next Sabbath at 4 o'clock Eastern Standard, 3 o'clock um, Central, to talk about engaging the Gen Zs. Listen, uh, I don't know what to say uh, to our panelists, man. I I just want to bask in the sun. And I, uh, I'm, I, I'm under the lights here, and I'm just like, wow. <laughs> well, you you be 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 reminded that next time you have some millennials on, you better be strict, strict with that time. Once you open up that can, man, we can talk. We're Duh. passionate people. And no, we man. Keep- it going so yeah oh, man this was god ordained trust me we 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 had all these questions as you saw but um remember we told you that you know we'll let god lead and wherever god leads we're gonna follow and y'all led us today and so i just want to say um on behalf of my two hosts and dr henry couldn't be with us i know he's listening and he's uh he was chatting in with us thank you I don't know how else to say it. You have made an impact not only on my life as a leader in this church, but I know you've made an impact on the lives of others who are looking on. And um, we don't know where this is going to lead. We'll hear something maybe in in heaven or maybe hear something in a week or two of the, the inspiration that you provided. But thank you. Thank you for being who you are and thank you for doing what you're doing. I know we're over time, but I just want to give uh, a couple of you an opportunity to share some of the things that you're doing uniquely um, that yes. our viewers may want to be able to connect with you. I think, uh, Pastor J.D., you kind of opened the door and say, hey, we're here for you. What are you doing? Um, or let's ask, um, let's ask Claudia at first. What are you doing uniquely um, online or in this space that, that, that is uh, utilizing your giftedness? Man, so I particularly love to have intelligent conversation. And I just believe that there are so many things going on in our world right now, whether it's in politics, the economy, um, theology, spirituality, so many different things um, that are directly connected to our relationship with God and and how we engage in community outside of our, our churches with others. And so I started a podcast called Radical Reading. Um, on YouTube uh, that you guys can follow. And basically, I'm going to read every book probably somebody told you not to read. (laughs) Uh, You know, I'm going to read, you know, things like the Communist Manifesto. You know, I've been, I'm particularly interested in reading that one just because I've been called a communist. And, uh, (laughs) you know, anyone who uh, clearly is about social justice in any way, shape, or form is clearly a socialist, a Marxist, or a communist. And so these kinds of things I want to explain. I want to teach to people, help people really understand what they are, what they aren't. Um, you know, but I also want to read things like Yurtle the Turtle by Dr. Seuss and um, really dive into, you know, the messages, what what is power and, and deal with history and biography. And so there's there's all kinds of things we're going to get into. But if you are if you're interested in just kind of expanding your mind and understanding things better and being able to connect it to spirituality and an understanding of scripture, then definitely follow me on social media. I'm on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, uh, and then, of course, on YouTube. So. Yeah. Awesome. Excellent. Jessica, what are you what unique space are you in? Yeah, I think what we've realized um, working as a youth department, we do a lot of like events and things here and there. And what I've realized is right now 
our teachers and our parents are at the forefront, right? When we're talking about keeping these kids connected and growing spiritually and in a healthy place, um, we're really looking to not ourselves because there's not much I can do. I get maybe an hour with these kids a week if I'm lucky, but it's actually starting to pour into our education system, right? And at the moment, it's pouring into our Adventist education system, um, and I'm hoping to expand that. But it's really finding the ways to not only uphold our teachers, right, and to fuel them and to give them new energy, but to come alongside and actually realize if we want to do ministry for our next generations and we are not plugging in with the parents and we're not plugging in with the teachers, all we're doing is getting roughly 50 hours a year with these kids. Mm. And that's so that's such a small little sliver of impact in their lives, right? right? The hour that they might be at church, the hour they might hop on a Zoom call with you if you're a youth pastor or you work with kids. And so finding those ways to reach in and actually be a part of these kids' holistic life. Um, and so that's just kind of humbling as a youth director we think that our things are the most important and we think that our events and the things that we do are god's gift and they can be um but when we partner with the people who are spending the most time with our youth um that's really where i think the magic happens awesome awesome jd uh you have uh you have found a special place in my heart with q3 it was Q, now it's Q2, and then Q3. Share with us, is that the, the main thing, or is there something else happening in the space that you're at right now? Yeah, so that we're very nimble and flexible. Uh, what we've been doing is chewing on a lot of different ideas, uh, one of which is we want to put something together for children in particular. Um, I've just been thinking lately about how powerful it would be to engage some of our children who have gifts, not just in speaking, but in art and different other different places, Mm -hmm. um, and kind of highlighting and pouring into them. So if you're interested in something like that, reach out to me and let me know so we can plan together. I'm doing a lot of collaborative efforts. Even today, um, we're doing what I call merge worship experiences, where um, I worship today my two churches, Patmos in Orlando, and then Richard Martin's church in Hampton, Virginia. And almost every week I'm doing something collaborative. And that seems to be a, a emerging theme. Mm. Uh, uh, this COVID season is just collaboration. So I'm one of those guys where if you want to collaborate, let's go, let, first of all, I'm going to be over um, doing some radical reading uh, with this audience. <laughs> so when we're not doing that, come holler at me and we can let's 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 do some some creating. Let's let's try yes. some stuff. Let's fail. Let, let's do it together. Um, let's collaborate. I'm kind of like that guy. I'm just down. Um, so um, if you have any ideas as it relates to ministry, then have to be relegated to. A worship service um just holler at me and and we can we can do some great things in building the kingdom um, also as it relates to just organizational leadership um i do consulting as well as it relates to uh just how to to tweak and grow in areas of opportunities in your organization um, i'm your guy as well to to help you kind of overcome some barriers maybe some obstacles you've been facing in your organization so I also do that consulting. And even when it comes to just, I don't know, technology and stuff, um, after doing this QR thing three times, if anybody has any questions about StreamYard, come holler at me, man. I feel like I have my PhD in StreamYard. <laughs> yes, sir. After running that for three consecutive revivals. So even if you have questions concerning that type of stuff, hit me up. My email is james at jdmotivates.com. That's motivates with an S. 
James awesome. at jdmotivates.com. That's my email, and I'd love to hear from you. Yeah, awesome. somebody somebody drops that in the chat for us. Say it one more time, J.D., and I'm going to ask each of you sure. to give that and ask ask some of our listeners to, to just drop that, type that up and drop that in the chat and in both places. Some of you are on YouTube, some of you are on Facebook. Put that out so our, our focus is. So, J.D., one more time, please. Yeah, it is. My email address is james at jdmotivates.com. And in addition to that, there's actually a website where I wrote a 90-day devotional. So if you're looking for some encouragement, um, it is – written so that every day it's a short and sweet word that is intended to help you live in such a way where you can get a standing ovation from um, uh, uh, your savior. So Come on. Uh, if you also want that, or I think I have shirts on there as well. I don't know. You can go there, www.jdmotivates.com and james at jdmotivates.com is my email. All right. And Jessica, any, any taglines or, or, or ways to, for folk to contact you or to see what you're doing you want to put out? Sure. Yeah. My email is Jessica and it's J-E-S-S-Y-K-A and then D, the letter D as in dog, at rmcsda.org. And our youth website is rmcyouth.org. Um, we usually put a ton of resources up there. We have places for parents to find resources, teachers, um, youth leaders, kids themselves, if they're looking for a devotional and whatnot. And currently our team is working on doing a once a week devotional for our youth in the conference to talk about what it means to live fully alive, right? What it really means to live in that spirit. And so we're going to be putting that out in 2021 for our kids. All right. And Claudia, if you could, uh, you put out that one more time so that we can, our, our audience can know how to, how to follow up with you. Yeah. So you can follow me on Instagram at Kamal, C-A-M-A-A-L, C-A-M-A-A-L. AL365 um, uh, on Instagram. Um, and then, of course, uh, my website is ClaudiaMAllen.com. Um, and then, of course, you can follow the podcast on Instagram or on YouTube, uh, the Radical Reading Podcast on Instagram at Radical Reading Pod. All right. And if you missed those things, if you didn't catch them in the chat, we're going to make sure that we put them on the page on the Pastors Roundtable page today. Um, so go ahead. And, and if you have not followed the Pastors Roundtable page, we'll make sure that they get on the page if you miss it in the chat and you can go and check those things later. We want to encourage you to join the Pastors Roundtable group. By the end yes. of the month, we're going to be giving away some gifts, some giveaways. Um, one of them, we're going to give away uh, a subscription to Message Magazine. Um, and it's not just the subscription, it's the whole pack. I think it comes with a hat and a t-shirt and all of those things. And we're working with Message to make sure that we can get that to you. Um, we're going to be trying to give away a microphone, JD. Um, so those of you that are interested in doing something like this, um, a microphone maybe like what uh, like Pastor Wade has up there. If you're interested in getting into the virtual space and reaching out, um, we want to be able to provide but you will not be eligible unless you are a part of the group. You need to go ahead and join the Pastors Roundtable group, and there you will find out more details about how you can, uh, you can get in line for, for one of these things that we'll be giving away from month to month. There will be some things. Again, we've gone well over time today, but I hope it was worth it. It was worth it to me. I, I, I could go another hour because just listening to you guys, it's just been so, so, so rich, yes, so rich, yes, so yes. rich. Yes. Um, all right. Let's um, listen. Thank yeah. you so much for joining us at the Pastors Roundtable. Season two 
We're just excited. We started off great today, and we look forward to greater things as we move forward. As we work with you to help ministry, keep ministry relevant, resourced, and real.